Hey, hoop ballers, are you into sports betting? Do you want to know why a certain game has a funky line? Well, HoopBall has you covered. Today in sports betting is a great addition to all your handicapping questions with hosts Ira Silver and Devin Ellington. We break down game lines and future bets on all sports and try to make some money along the way. Follow us on Twitter at HoopBallGaming, at Ira Silver Magic, and at D-A-L-E-007. And download Today in Sports Betting in the App Store, Google Play, and available on Spotify. The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Hey, we made it to Friday again, everybody. What's happening? It is Fantasy NBA Today, a Hoop Ball presentation. I'm Dan Bass. Welcome to the pod. End of another week, and it's, you know, it isn't quite like when we were playing this game in June where we were just counting down the days. Things are fun right now, at least in the basketball landscape. The world is still uh, melting to the ground, but who cares? (laughs) I kid, of course, I care. Uh, It's a good distraction. I I mean, so I realize that even saying that sort of, Lends credence to the idea that a distraction maybe isn't the greatest thing right now. But I listen, there's only so much that a man's brain can handle. You guys watched me. You guys saw my tweets. You guys listened to these shows. It's really nice to have something that allows me to shut the brain off for a little bit. And with basketball, there's a little bit of brain shut off, but there's also plenty of live in-game betting and, you know, then there's, uh, I'm a, I'm a big Dodger fan, grew up here in LA and, and, that was actually the sort of the first sports love for me was the Dodgers because it was so much cheaper. The seats in the upper, upper deck were five bucks. I went with my mom. My dad traveled a lot. My mom took me to Dodger games all the time. We sat in the nosiest of the nosebleeds or the bleediest of the nosebleeds. I don't know. I'm not sure what the, the proper modifier on that is. And it was, you know, my mom knew about this sort of relatively secret parking area so the whole day cost us like $12 it was great so that's awesome for me to sit back and and just watch Dodgers on TV and have these basketball games going and I you know I'm by the way Aaron Bruski coming up here in just a matter of moments on the podcast and a big chat with him about actually we recorded it yesterday um we uh, we recorded it during the Oklahoma City and Houston game. So the two night games had not yet happened yet. The uh, Aaron and I made some foolhardy predictions on those games. Uh, which of them came true? I don't. I think uh, I think we were relatively close on the Milwaukee game. I don't think we were even in the remotest vicinity on the Lakers Blazers game. And then went through the upcoming Friday card. So I think what I'd like to do today... By the way, if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at Dan Bespris. HoopBall is hoop-ball.com. That's the website. HoopBall Fantasy is the Twitter feed for all things fantasy sports. HoopBall Tweets is the Twitter handle at HoopBall that sort of encapsulates everything under the umbrella. So that has the team feeds, the gambling feeds, all that good stuff uh, all rolled together. So definitely go do check that out. And if you have a moment, please drop a five-star review on this podcast or any of our hoop ball podcasts. Go check out DFS Today or Today in Sports Betting. 
Those shows are incredible. They're running daily right now. If you want your DFS and gaming information, opportunities to make money, even while full season fantasy is not in full effect. But what I'd like to do is jump ahead to an interview that I did with Brew yesterday at about 3 in the afternoon Pacific time. Again, we break down the last two games from last night before they happen, trying to make guesses on how they play out, and then preview the Friday card. And then what we'll do is after the chat with Brew, we'll go back. I'll talk a bit about what I saw on Thursday night in uh, and during the day, I guess, in, in some of these games that have already taken place. So let's just, uh, let's just leap right on in. If I keep doing it this often, you can't say I'm dodging you anymore. I mean, you can, but it wouldn't carry as much weight. Brew, what's up, my man? Dude, I got that. Is it Adina Menzel? Is that the name? The commercial? Are you going to do the Geico commercial? I, I might. <laughs> Following the dreams, in the dreams of a taxidermy. It doesn't okay, make so sense, though. It doesn't make sense. How could she read it wrong? I, I read that wrong. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that doesn't make sense. One doesn't look anything like the other. Yeah. They sound they, they similar. They didn't really uh, stress test that commercial very much. No. But, but it's... I, I was sitting there rocking <laughs> Skyler to sleep, which I also learned. I finally read the chapter in the book that says don't do this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I was sitting there, and I'm like, okay, we're not going to start this sleep training for a couple more weeks, so... I'll just do a little rock. You know, I've been doing little rocks. And that song, no joke, couldn't get it out of my head, Dan. <laughs> Almost had a moment. You're singing, you're singing the Adina Menzel Geico commercial song so, to Sky it's, while it's you're rocking. It's on over and over again right now. So yeah. it's on right before we came on the show. I like, I think my life is this kind of crazy joke right now. <laughs> <laughs> between, the, between the smoke in the air, the heat wave, COVID. Yeah. For no less not lest we forget the COVID that's still hanging over all of us. Although slight improvements, right? Can we can I can I feel no, I'm not even gonna get into cautious optimism. I we need to see this thing all the way to its conclusion. No, um yeah, everything is utter silliness right now. We got NBA playoffs in a bubble, uh because of that's all of the been above. Great. The playoffs have been fun. So what I, you know, here's what I, first of all, this is Aaron Brewski. I know I just called you Brew, but I feel like most people listening probably know who I'm talking to right now. Aaron on Twitter, of course, is at Aaron Brewski. B-R-U-S-K-I is the last name. He is the founder of hoop-ball.com or hoopball. Have we decided if there's a space between hoop and ball when we say just hoopball? It's very controversial, Dan. <laughs> yeah, I know. Polarizing topics once again here on the pod. Um so so you're enjoying bubble playoffs though it's it is a nice I, I, reprieve honestly it might be the best basketball i've maybe not like certain aspects of it aren't the highest quality but like just pure entertainment factor i can't recall a time where there was this much going on and uh you know like the dame lillard stuff alone is mind-blowing really the last time i think my mind was blown like this as far as the game changing was when steph was doing it yeah yeah, completely agree. It, he's, th and those are the two guys. Th and of course, that's why ESPN had to go hard on the Dame versus Steph discussion. Like that needed to really make its way into the what what we're talking about right now. A, a it, props to whoever names their show. Go hard. <laughs> Hashtag go hard at ESPN. <laughs> uh, so here, I'm just I'm thinking about all of the stuff going on, and I and I want to know if if the reason you're feeling this way is at all similar to the reason I'm feeling this way. And for me, 
yes, it's sort of tangentially related to COVID. Yeah, we didn't have basketball for a long time because of it. And so getting something back was always going to be fun. But for me, it was actually the distance from a real fantasy season that's made me so excited about the playoffs. Normally, the NBA playoffs start right after the most intense couple weeks of fantasy play where you're trying to wrap up something down the stretch. You're just going crazy. And then usually I'm like, all right, I need a, I need a reprieve right now. But I don't need a reprieve. I'm actually really excited to watch playoff games, and they've been fun. It's been uh, weird. Um, I know that's hella descriptive. It's been weird. Uh, <laughs> and it most certainly yeah. has been weird. They're in a damn bubble. And, you know, a working bubble. I just bubble, figured out, you. I think those signs around the, the court are actually real. Uh, you know, the, the, the LED or whatever screens that are around the court. Yeah. Like, I kind of wondered if they were superimposed by cameras. Uh, they seem real. Some of the stuff on the court for is, to right? chuck a pass into one of those things. So you can have see it what's just up. like explode. Like when the, uh, like when a wild one gets loose in a baseball game where the backdrop is a green screen. Is that what you're talking about? Well, you know, the thing I, I, I think I saw a soccer game in like Mexico and it was very clearly the there was digital technology putting, you know, the covering over the empty stadium. So that's kind of what I thought that was going to be. But then it really important stuff here. I, I realized, no, those are real. And, <laughs> you know, so it's it's weird basketball. And, you know, when you play in, in scrimmages, you know, for practice, you know, they'll bring refs in and, you know, like it's still real basketball, but there's almost always an up-tempo element to those games. The defense is just not there. Everybody's playing a little bit looser. And so, I mean, it's, it's been a little bit like that. I don't, I don't have the pace numbers up in front of me or anything, but I would probably guess that the pace has been up compared to the regular season, though that changes when you get into the first few games of the playoffs as teams tighten up and get to know each other in, in the series. But uh, it's just been fun up-tempo basketball. It's been, I mean, the Lillard stuff is crazy to me because like, you kind of felt like that there was not much that could be done to change the game again outside of a rule change. And he goes out there and he's clearly been practicing these shots a lot. And we're talking not just like set shots from 30 plus feet. He's doing hanging jumpers. <laughs> yeah, like from... coming around a screen and firing on a on a drop coverage, right? Like he sees a defender at the three point line and he goes, "Oh, all right, I'll just I'll just leave seven feet of space. I'll shoot from here." Yeah, it's it's really wild because once you establish that you can make that shot, and if you're making it at, he's been making it at a forty percent clip, so it's a clearly good shot for him. <laughs> that's how that's my clip on unguarded layups. i think i'd be lucky to hit that uh unguarded very important yeah no i mean it just depends like are we talking like left-handed layups (laughs) because no whatever layup you want i Uh, I can still make my righty layups i know you can you're a you're a taller and more athletic person than i am i'm talking about me i think you uncontested layups you must be it you got to be at least over a 50 percent proposition Let's take those bets, folks. <laughs> MyBookie.ag. My, my yeah, there you go. We'll get that ad in there. Hoopball is the promo code. You cannot, however, bet on Aaron hitting uh, 50 or more out of 100 unguarded layups. But, no, you're right, though. Like Dame is doing something that's changing the way teams have to play defense. Although, you know, it, it does seem like it's a, it's a relatively quick adjustment, right? And the hope there is that then the people around him can space the floor enough to where... 
then there's a ton of room. It's not, cool. and, and they clearly can. I mean, you, you you got Gary Trent. He's he's. I mean, he's probably on a cold streak right now, but he's he's perfectly capable. Melo's perfectly capable. CJ is perfectly capable. And you know what? I think um, Nurk can probably stick a, a three. You know, if you absolutely asked him to in the corner. Um, so I mean, they they got people to do this, and when um, the when the Blazers were going through all the the seeding games and all those games were important, they were giving uh, the teams were giving up the corner three to to trap him, and so I remember he ri- he rised and fired on one that was it was a bad shot, and I remember thinking it's actually smart because. You're, you're basically telling the, the other team, I'm going to keep doing this, so keep coming out and doubling me. It was Brooklyn. It was, it was coming out, and they were running like a, a Randy Moss coverage from back in his Marshall days where they'd have a guy up front and then a guy right behind him that basically, like, you know, gets the second wave of coverage. And uh, so he takes that bad shot, and then next time, same, same coverage, comes down, gets another corner three that they make. And it's so he's got to keep them out there 30 feet away doing these double teams because that's just that's easy money i mean you get that many corner threes but there's a there's a better defense uh than that and it's it's more or less you you got to either trap him or just straight switch i heard i was reading an article because it was this this exact topic was so interesting to all of us i think that have watched a ton of nba and uh, I think it was Alex Regla. I don't know if you follow him. He does a bunch of Laker coverage on Twitter. Had an article about um, – well, he had a piece on the Lakers missing all their open shots. We'll talk about that in a minute. And then I think the site he works for, and I can't remember who put the piece out, had an article on the hard hedge being the perhaps the best possible coverage of the Dame pick and roll. Uh, but that's about as far as my knowledge of it goes, is, is assuming there you just – you cut him off and then you're you're going to have to recover quickly, but you're not letting Dame do the damage there. I'd just straight switch, and here's why. I'm not that terrified of him as a driver. I mean, he'll make his plays, and, and he'll break down a big, you know, pretty easily, but that gets him out of this, uh, you know, this red-hot, unconscious zone. And, yeah, you do have to come up on your switch, you know. And, and it is, in effect, a hard hedge. But, you know, you're not retreating at that point. And you're just passing the coverage off. And, and you live with the mismatches. Well, you know uh, that's what Houston would do, since they switch everything for everyone. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, I mean, you're seeing this with, with him. You're seeing it with James Harden. And that game's going on right now. I have not been able to be as dialed into that as I would like. Um, so I'll probably rewatch that later, but you know, you can't just let, uh, somebody dictate tempo. You know, this is happening actually with the jazz as well. Um, you know, Donovan Mitchell's getting all the way downhill. You got to show them a different look and, and, and figure out, you know, somebody else has got to beat you there. Um, the Lakers are a mess. I don't know if they're on the docket to really get into in this, this show. Are they playing tonight? They're playing tonight. Yeah. So we're recording this podcast halfway through the Thunder Rockets game on Thursday. This will be airing first thing Friday morning. So you guys can laugh at whatever our predictions are for the games coming up here while we're recording. But I, I do think we need to talk about the Lakers because the story there is they had 16 wide open threes out of their 32. Half of their three pointers were literally uncontested. They made two of them. What happened? I mean, I know this team wasn't a good shooting team in the regular season, but 
what were they? I think they were 35% from downtown. How do you go 13% on wide open threes? Will they ever remember how to make a shot? It's confidence. Yeah. And, 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 and but there's, there's something about, I'll give you an example, like player struggling all game, wide open shots, bricking, missing him, missing him badly, you know, kind of a, let's go inconsistent shooter. And they're in their own head. And next time down, they get, you know, sort of the perfect pass off of, you know, some other action, their feet are set, but the defender is right on them. But because the play was crisp and the window is tight and and everybody in the building knows it's your time to shoot that shot. And if you passed it, you'd get benched. You know, somebody rises and fires in that circumstance with a ton of confidence. And so what I've seen out of the Lakers is LeBron's running a crap offense. I mean, I don't care what the guys are, are not hitting around him. His his the way he's initiating the shot selection, it just it's so bad. And what what happens is your team feels that they they then kind of instead of being aggressive and confident and having the other team on their heels, they're also pressing, you know, their their timing is just a little bit off. And really, you know, that was the story of that entire game. I also thought Anthony Davis was bad. Oh, yeah. They're, no question. They're just has been the whole bubble, by the way. I don't think, you know, I think LeBron is going to come out in this game and, and have a real good physical game. Like, there'll be effort, there'll be quickness, he'll he'll use his body more, he'll clean up his shot selection. Like, I think he does not want to go down 2-0 here, and so you'll get that out of him. My question with Anthony Davis is, physically, his body, he's not that... I mean, he's very athletic, but he's not the, the the guy he once was. So when people were talking defensive player of the year and all that stuff, I'm just kind of rolling my eyes and going, no. You know, he can't get off the ground anymore. You know, he's not quick into whatever he's trying to do. And so when you – now back to your point from Twitter, when nobody's hitting shots and everything's looking bad and nothing's working and he's floating around the perimeter – you know, he can't really get that separation, the spacing that he needs to, to start bringing out the, the kind of the Swiss Army knife game that he should be playing. And then he reverts to this fade away long two. Ugh, you know, long twos. you can appreciate the three pointers, but it's still like, man, it's a, such a win for Portland that he's not terrorizing the inside of the paint. And no, I'm not saying he's got to play back to the basket. But he's got to be in there cutting and using his gifts and um, putting the, the defense on their heels because so, then that opens everything else up. Could he and LeBron run uh, anything farther from the basket, or does that does oh, that not yeah. change? Was, they, that, um, was that Jack Winter who, I think, who yeah. made that comment? Yeah, I was working off of something that was retweeted from a hoop ball account. <laughs> well, like great a, Jack Winter. Of course. Who, uh, he, he's got a few different things going on. Um, uh, wrote for us uh, last year and uh, maybe one day again. Uh, he had a great little uh, set of tweets about where these screens are set. And that's what I was talking about, the sloppiness of this offense. I mean, there are a couple of shots LeBron took where I just like almost wanted to like turn off the game. Like, <laughs> I mean, I did have the Lakers for my <laughs> game one pick, but it was just like, if you guys aren't going to try, why are we even going to like 
why are we going to sit here and watch? No, well, they should and, have been they should have been winning that game by six or seven points at halftime, at least. There was a stretch in that second quarter where Portland didn't have a field goal for, I think it was five or six minutes. They had nine points at the free throw line, and it was a tie ball game. And you're going, well, this is like this is well, also, this isn't going to work. You're not going to win also a game. Classic game one stuff. Like teams go, like to go out in game one and be like, we're going to be us. We're not making any changes, but. We're, and we're more than willing to pay a loss in order to do that. Like, you got JaVale McGee out there who yeah, looks... Why? What is he doing out there in this series? he at best. I mean, sometimes he, he makes some plays for you, and you can see why and where he's useful. Uh, Dwight Howard, same thing. So, like, you're letting the, the Blazers get two guys in their top, say, seven or eight in Whiteside and, and Nurkic. You're letting them have that 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 matchup flexibility by the way i actually kind of i don't i didn't mind dwight just to jump in i thought dwight was yeah he had a decent game um javel i could have done without i could have done without javel mcgee i know he had eight rebounds and a block and whatever but there's there's a that the javel nurk matchup feels like a mistake well you're you're just letting the blazers off the hook in so many ways um like you want to make them have to downsize so now they dig deeper into their rotation into the Mario Hazonia, um, you know, <laughs> when, when Gabriel minutes, by the way, when Gabriel's not bad, um, but you've got to get Mario Hazonia on the floor. Holy crap. I mean, that guy's like the worst decision maker in the history of the NBA and you got to get him on the floor. Um, but it was a classic game one in that the Lakers lollygag their way through the bubble or through the seeding games. Uh, Portland on the cutting edge, fighting for their life. Of course, they're going to come in firing. You just expected the the Lakers to not be that bad. Yeah, they were truly uh, horrible. Truly horrible, uh, particularly on offense. Because I actually thought the Lakers' defense wasn't half bad in this ball game. I thought uh, I thought Alex Caruso played some pretty good D. Um, LeBron, this is like LeBron carrying Anthony Davis. His defense is always fine. They held Portland to 39%. That's a game the Lakers should win. So what do we think is happening tonight since we're recording this early? I'm staying and then... away from it. Yeah, I, me too. First of all, I, I hit my first cold patch right in the beginning of the playoffs, which kind of is like, hey, there were so many plays that I shouldn't have made. <laughs> like, Classic. I believe, I think anyone who's ever bet on anything has said that sentence. I, but it's so true for me. Like, And I get sucked into the playoffs. Like, I want to try to like, not help everybody, but I just want to have a take on everything. And so I, I totally blew it with a couple. And then I didn't play the ones that my gut was telling me to play. So I talked myself out of some good plays and ran with a bunch of stuff that like, I really like told myself, don't bet on OKC. I said to that, said that to myself 10 times and then they made it a pick em, And I was like, okay, you got me. <laughs> they hooked you. <laughs> Hook, line and sinker. And then, I mean, you look at what they did in their first game, and I'm like, oh, wait, I forgot that Chris Paul chokes in the playoffs and that Billy Donovan can't coach. Which, by the way, hat tip to everybody that made him a coach of the year finalist. <laughs> well, the, like, thing that, the thing that bugged me about this matchup, and I haven't really looked at how the regular season went, but the Rockets switch everything. The Thunder don't have a big man that can really punish. I know Steven Adams is, is a big human being, but he's not a skilled offensive player. So there's nothing there's nothing the Rockets are going to do defensively that's going to open something up for the Thunder. This is a series where if Houston makes any of their threes, they win. 
Rob, Rob, you're probably right with that. Rob Mahoney had a great article on this where you have to attack them side to side. Like you can't just think you're going to beat them because you're bigger because they're they're strong. Yeah, you know, and pick and roll doesn't work. Tucker's strong, and you got to get them off their off their foundation. And I mean, watching the Thunder walk up the court and literally one not even an action and then a one-on-one move multiple times are just like a simple pick and roll with everybody else standing on the perimeter and nobody really respecting their outside shooting it just was like did you guys even like talk about this <laughs> no they're they're in real tr- look they're in real trouble and and i don't know what's going to happen in the fourth quarter of this game that's on while we're recording but as it is right now the thunder are up a bucket while out shooting the rockets by 12% you shouldn't be leading by a few more than two if you're winning that, the field goal percent battle, by 12%. So, I, I mean, I don't know. Does Houston make a few more shots in the fourth quarter? They might just shoot the ball horribly the whole game and the Thunder might get it. But all the Rockets have to do to win a game in this series is come close to matching the Thunder from the field. Because, again, there's just, there isn't a whole lot that OKC can do offensively with their particular set of weapons. It's a bad it's a bad matchup for them. Um, all right, quickly here, we'll do the night take so we can laugh at it on uh, when I when I build the rest of the pot out tomorrow morning. Orlando, Milwaukee, Milwaukee bounce back game. Uh, do they cover the thirteen? I'm not playing it. I wouldn't I, dare I actually. Either. That was one of the ones that I kicked myself for not taking. Should have done it. The DJ I mean, Augustine game. We always got to play the DJ Augustine game. I forgot too. It. I mean, just I think like people thought Aaron Gordon's out like, oh, wow, this is just the end of the magic. No, uh, the magic might be better without Aaron Gordon. <laughs> <laughs> it's possible. It's possible. It's a lot of vooch, and that's a good thing for them. And then yeah. uh, Portland Lakers, um, I think if Portland I to covers it. Tonight? Yeah. I'd rather freaking flip a coin on the over-under. I don't like it's I, I honestly have no idea in this game. I think Portland None. actually goes up 2-0. And it, this is despite being a Lakers fan. Isn't that fan. crazy? Yeah. I don't the Lakers look completely out of sorts on offense. They have the entire bubble. They they haven't played one complete game since they've well, been I, in Orlando. I think we're also finding out that LeBron he, he has to put his shoulder down and get to the rim. Like he can't do this dancing around the perimeter thing. Because his jump shots is not that dangerous, and he's not getting any separation, and the defenses aren't really respecting him as a an elite playmaker. And the only way he can be an elite playmaker now is to just muscle his way to the basket and play an ugly. It'll be an ugly floor game, but it would be an ugly but effective floor game. You start getting into you know people and start making them get some foul trouble. It, it just changes everything. So this this is a LeBron game. And I, that's why I'm tempted to take L.A. Because, I mean, LeBron has shown enough to know to, to where I, I, I know he has that in him. Well, of course. I mean, think about the last three games they played before the shutdown. The Lakers beat Philly, Milwaukee, and the Clippers. And then the league shut down. And now the Lakers look like the ninth best team in the West. They looked like the best team in the league on March 11th. I'm not going to say that. I mean, they beat the Bucks <laughs> and the Clippers pretty handily. I don't care about, what was it, March? Yeah. I can't remember. I'm talking about March. That's what I said. When the league shut down, they were the best team in the league. I'll take your word for it. 
Yeah, I was I was excited because I the- just I I've never bought the Lakers this year. I've been on the Clippers all year. I would I, I was actually uh, I, I will definitely take the Raptors if somehow the Lakers make it and the Raptors make it. I'll take the Raptors. Yeah, I don't think I'll the Lakers, bet a lot on it. I don't think the Lakers are making the finals. I don't I I don't know. Maybe maybe someone well, on that got, team will figure out Dallas how to shoot. Given given the Clippers hell. I don't, oh, by the way, I don't think that's gonna keep up tonight, but. That's true. That is that is Friday. Yeah, it's confusing when we're talking about games like this. All right, or let's do the lines part, part on Friday. Friday, Friday. Fr- uh, Friday's lines: Toronto, what are Brooklyn. Days of the week. Dan? I know it doesn't matter. It's all it's a hundred. Oh, but that's actually <laughs> I want to get this point in, and I don't. It's not that important, but I think one of the coolest things about this, and the NBA's got a lot to pick from that they can bring back for future years. But I just love this. Like it feels like March Madness. A little bit, but th- without the elimination aspect of it, you, you get up in the morning. There's a game, then there's another game, and there's another game, and there's another game. It's just been so much fun. Yeah, I love the I, games that start first thing in the morning. Oh, it's beautiful. It's just been all day, every day, pure basketball with great basketball going on. So it's I've the last three weeks have been, you know, I almost forgot about all that other stuff. Not really. Yeah, no. <laughs> Bob, I left the the long pause in there. Uh, t- Toronto, Brooklyn is the first game on Friday morning. Gimme, 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 gimme. I wonder what that line moved to. Because, I mean, once Joe left, Harris, that is. (laughs) uh, Once he left and you knew that he couldn't come back for two games, then I was was just like, why is this line where it's at? Toronto by 10.5, total of 220.5. I'm not looking at over-unders for us today. That's fair. (laughs) <laughs> no no that's fine i don't care uh give me it do you like I'm the side because you and i both had a strong takes on that second game and we all wimped out i really liked the under in game two and i wimped out and you really liked brooklyn in game two oh. and you wimped out and we left money on the table and then what happens of course in those moments is you're like ah, i wimped out on this one i better play the next one and then you start chasing and that's why it's good to kind of take a deep breath this is a weird series though uh toronto took their foot off the gas in that second game they didn't hit 32 out of 33 free throws. I don't have a great feel for game three here. I know you said no Joe Harris. That's that's tough for Brooklyn. Um, is Toronto taking them seriously? Another, it just brings another, like, not very good player into 30 minutes. Yeah, true. I mean, that's that's at the end of the day, they just didn't have that room for error to lose one more guy. And so that's going to just be... You know, that's got to be what it is. And, and Toronto's got so much depth. Uh, not that that matters because they're not really playing a ton of their depth. But, um, you know, I, I, I just whether like so the bench, what, what you're going to see is Toronto can beat them with their starting lineup. But then the bench is where it's going to get ugly. And uh, so, yeah, no, I feel really good about this one. I also love the fact that they didn't play well last game. You know, just try to clear that from their system, not build up bad habits you know, maybe get some additional rest, um, you know, which is a little bit bigger deal in the playoffs this year. Also, on that note, since we're bringing up weirdness of the, these playoffs, I, I just am curious to hear other people talk about the fact that we don't have home and away. Yeah, I was just about to bring that up. It's really strange because after the two games, my brain is like, oh, well, now it goes back to Brooklyn. So maybe they'll get a little energy and you're like, yeah, no. Nope. Yeah, there's nothing scrambling anything up. So it's like, this last this this heat, um, you know, the heat to me have been my, my my happy place in these playoffs because I'm I'm like, you know, their second to last matchup in the seeding games. You know, you had everybody's main guys going, and I just watched them beat up on Indy, 
and it's just it's so much clear. It's so clear to me that Miami's better than Indy. So they go out and they win, and then the the line is the same exact thing the next game. And it's like the odds makers are like, well, we don't really have much to change here. Sure, like okay, we can we can adjust it a couple points. Like Houston was minus two and a half after they they walloped the Thunder. You know that they're not moving the lines much. No, no. I mean, well, they have power rankings, and they're going to sort of stick with them. Individual game results be damned, effectively at this point, and with no home court, they don't have to move. Favors us as betters. It's pretty weird though, because I'm my brain is very used to the team goes back to another location, home team up two O's. Like, all right, well, we'll just get one out of two here, and then we'll wrap it up on our place. There's a there's a mental element where teams have to bring intense focus every single game there's no advantage for home court anymore which i thought was kind of weird i almost felt like they should have built something in my idea which i think i tweeted about is give the the home team all their timeouts and give the away team one last timeout yeah something as simple as that would have been hard for an away team to argue against right they should have some disadvantage for sucking for four and a half months right there's one other concept here that kind of builds off of this that I think is just really interesting. And I think it's the variance and the oddness of the bubble. Like that to me almost always favors underdogs, which is why I'm also oh, yeah. a little bit pissed about my start because I did take a lot of chalk and it's just like something I know, like you're going to see game ones where the underdog comes out firing and the favorite is not that urgent. And it just, it's like a every year thing. And I went against that. Weren't you, weren't you, like, the Lakers at least looked like they cared, even if they played an ugly game. I was surprised at how little it looked like Milwaukee cared in game one. They were completely disengaged for the full 48 minutes. You know, it makes you wonder that, like, players all know things before, well before media, you know, like, is there a chance that Giannis is like, I don't think I'm here long term. And I'm not trying to start rumors, and I don't think I will. Hashtag uh, rumor start. <laughs> right. But I mean, if you see that continue in the playoffs, you, you kind of it's like Philly right now. I'm stupid. I, and this was why I was taking too many plays is like Gordon Hayward's injury should have put Boston in a really bad spot. They also suffer from depth issues. He's been so good for them, you know, and I know injured star theory and all that. But like it just if you were just mildly competent. You know, if you're Philly, you should be able to beat the spread. And they're not they weren't able to because they know I think they know they know that Brett Brown is dead. Yeah, that's sad. I think I think they all know that this organization is like dead. Like you can't make Joel Embiid your number one player. You can't. He's too lazy. B- b- bottom line, like he's too lazy. He makes bad decisions. He refuses to put himself in a position to be the best player he can be. Everybody knows it. Like Stan Van Gundy, if he was calling a game, he would just look at Joel Embiid and be like, ah, no, I can't do that. And so when, when your leader is like that and the other leader, Ben Simmons, is not a leader and is also not there, you know, and you've got all these big money contracts that are not going to, I mean, Al Horford, he looks out of shape. And, and a lot of it might just be because he doesn't care right now. Like he, he was brought in and sold kind of a bill of goods. And now it's like, oh, well, we can't really do that. So, I mean, they just look like none of them. 
not that they don't care, but that they just don't have any confidence. They don't really make the extra effort. You, you know, know it's funny you say that. I'm going to jump ahead to that game. That's the third one on the docket. Philly's catching five after getting fully embarrassed in game two. I'm I'm actually tempted to take Philly in five. Like this is to me, this is their last stand for the, <laughs> for their I pride. Thought, yes, that's what I thought yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yesterday I was confused because I was like, I don't know. I think Boston just more Marcus Smart. I think they'll probably be all right. I didn't expect them to wallop them. I figured it was going to be. A decent game. Philly was probably going to hang in there. I didn't touch it. And now this one, you know, they're they're in the crosshairs. They're honestly, they're, if you if you told me Embiid wasn't playing, I would be all over more, them, right? I would be more, spread aside, like odds of winning the game better, better without Joel. Embiid. You can't play drop coverage from underneath the hoop. I'm sorry. The only other player I've seen do that is Demarcus Cousins. <laughs> who you love and they by the both way have the same attitude is like i'll play when i feel like it yeah that's not great and the, the he had those dejected looks on his face of a guy that feels like he should be getting more help and maybe he should but you can't you can't do that he's, you know he's taken he's taken fade away 18 footers like off of like three five dribbles like it's just when your teammate does that you don't want to play yeah, it's it's just it's such a bad shot. It's such an it's it's such a waste of your talent. It just kills everybody. And, and you know, so I don't see that changing for Embiid. The only thing that could cause that bet to hit in my mind is if Embiid's like, I'm going to the block. I'm just going to get like two offensive fouls. I don't care. I'm going to whoever's covering me is going to hurt tomorrow. Just ma- just start mauling people. I think that's what's coming in this one. He I think it's one big way. Yeah, you know, he did stuff. He, that was I don't go to many basketball games because frankly they're expensive. <laughs> they, they are. Well, they were when we used to be able to go to them. Uh but I went to a Lakers Sixers game a couple years ago. Uh it was a game where Embiid just went completely nuts. I think he put up 40 and 17 or something crazy like that. And he was doing things in the post that I have not seen before. And everybody's like, "Well, Akeem did that." And I'm like, "Yeah, that's fine, but I was a little kid. I don't remember it, like the actual visual of that happening, and I didn't go to many games when I was a kid he either. He was fouling teams out. Yeah, it was down cool. there. Like, and it was, it was incredible. He was moving like someone who was like four foot eight, and he's seven feet tall. Just spins and up and under, and all these things where he was past people because he was so fast. And he's what seven feet two sixty or something like that. He's a giant dude. But they yeah, all want to play the face up game. They all want to play um, Euro step ball. There's. By the way, Houston, the Houston, Houston yeah, I know. We, 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 we called this seven <laughs> minutes ago on the pod. You heard it, everybody. Man, I love And you know, another thing I love about this bubble is the teams on the bench. Yeah, like, it's so they, funny. They got to, I mean, <laughs> screw the rich people, you know. I, I, I would like some aspect of this, you know, elaborate bench celebration. Like, give them a stage, man. Have them drop from the rafters when it's their time to play. <laughs> it's come down Stick like Apollo. I don't care. I'm all for it. Apollo Creed style. Just oh, living in go. America, coming blasting over the loudspeakers as the as the teams drop down in their their patriotic boxing shorts. What about Denver, Utah? I mean, I've been oh. I've gotten a lot of stuff wrong, but I have oh. said repeatedly that Denver is not guarding anyone and it's going to bite them. And then it bit them. Finally it bit them. Will they learn how to guard someone for this game, or is this just coin flip city this whole series um 
I was so bullish on Denver and I got lucky. Well, here's the thing. I didn't get lucky in game one. Like Denver had control that game for most of the game. And then Utah caught fire. A lot of this comes back to, to Donovan Mitchell and they're not giving, they're not giving any different looks to Mitchell at all. And, you know, yeah, you can pin it on, uh, Jokic, you can pin it on Murray, you can pin it on Millsap. I mean, the, the list of guys who are not fast enough to do this, is, it's pretty long, you know, you, and you're really seeing them miss Will Barton and Gary Harris. Say what you want about those guys, but they would be able to just get in the way at a minimum. Yeah, something, anything at all. And at Utah doesn't have anything beyond Donovan Mitchell. That's the other thing. I mean, Joe, smoking Joe, friend of the show, you know, won us a lot of money here. He can't take them to the promised land in this series. Donovan can because, dude, is unstoppable in many ways. Like, the elevation he gets on that jumper is just, I mean, it might be the best in the league as far as the pure height that his feet are off the ground as he's shooting these things. So, uh, Denver's going to have to do something, and I don't know if they've got the personnel. I mean, Torrey Craig, I think, is an option. You, you could put a lot of size on on Mitchell. You go Torrey Craig, Jeremy Grant. Uh, unfortunately for the, the Nuggets, he gets the, the Mitchell gets the step on both those guys. So I don't know that that's an option. But what you have to do is improve your team defense overall. So you're probably going to have to go away from guys that are more offensive players and then give more minutes to your defensive guys in an aggregate sense. So, you know, you're going to play a little bit more Mason Plumlee. You might actually, and it's funny because this never works, but like play Plumlee and Jokic together for like five minutes, you know, buy some time for guys that are going to get their arms in passing lanes that are going to be defensively focused, come up with a scheme that's going to take the ball out of Mitchell's hands. I mean, trap you know like that's it it's easier said than done with a guy like that but just get the ball out of his hands because he's the only thing that can make them play downhill nobody else is going to make them play downhill and you've got one game to figure it out now uh before conley gets back because he does actually have the ability to beat people off the dribble and that's your second option right there so i'm a little confounded at the way that the nuggets have come out because i felt like in a pure chess game, chess match sense that, that they could uh, eliminate Mitchell or not eliminate, but slow him down and make somebody else the guy. And, and they just haven't do, done it. So um, you're also seeing bad, bad Denver stuff. You know, Jokic just getting you know down because of a play or a call, putting his head down, that resulting in him not being where he's supposed to be. Um, you know, that, that kind of stuff, it eats at the tempo of your team. So, uh, at the same time, though, Utah's not going to hit whatever 90% of their shots they've been hitting. <laughs> well, they uh, will if it's just a if it's a Rudy Gobert blow-by. Can you, I couldn't believe it when Gobert went right by Jokic. I'm like, if, if, if Jokic can't stay in front of this dude, please, please. There's just... So, all right, wait a minute. I got I to gotta pull it back into focus here. Um, I don't have a play on this game. One and a half is the line. Denver by one and a half. That total t- that's the only game I don't have a play on tomorrow. And I'm I'm very tempted. I'm just waiting to hear what Denver does. Like, do they telegraph a move that you know makes things better? Like, uh, you know, Michael Porter Jr. scoring. I I don't know if he's going to be a guy that you can keep relying on 
in the capacity that they have been because he's not adding anything on defense. Uh, but what what is the next move that they make? I I, th- I think it's more defensive players on the floor and live with the offense that you have out of Jokic and Murray. Yeah, you know, I agree. And, I agree. So, but so if I hear a move, I'm I'm very happy to take Denver. You know, I think that they showed in Game One that they can be better than the Jazz. They just got to cover up, you know, Spider Mitchell. So I just want to hear one coverage idea. Give me one coverage idea, Mister Michael Malone. Not yet. Who Clip- I have a lot of faith in as a coach. Um, Clippers favored by five over Dallas. Uh, this one's coming down for the first time. Clippers have been, I think, six-point favorites in each of the first two I games. I got them at four and a half. Oh, that's even. So that's come down even a little from the opener of five. Total of 232 and a half. Dallas beat them, and Dallas didn't actually play that great in their win. They were good, <laughs> but I didn't feel like they were great. Clippers got a big one out of Kawhi Leonard and very little out of Paul George. There's... Uh, I don't know, man. I, I, I had the Clippers. I have a futures wager on the Clippers, and that game made me a little bit nervous. Do they need Pat Beverly that much to wake them up? I'm not a big Pat Beverly guy anymore. Like, I don't, I don't think he's a, an elite defender anymore. I mean, I think he's an intangibles guy. He's probably an average to maybe a little bit above average defender. Um, but, you, you know, his, his, the ingredient he brings will certainly help that team. I think that they're hurting from like Montrez Harrell not having, you know, his wind, you know, not being in the game, you know, and having to make those adjustments within the rotation. Um, they, they just looked out of sorts. Uh, Dallas is getting really good minutes from some key guys like Seth Curry right now. You know, you, you just look at that and it goes classic Dallas, right? You're going to get, get guys that are, you know, been cast away from other teams and they're going to play very well. Um, yeah, you got Porzingis in there doing his thing. He presents an interesting challenge for them. Um, but what I come back to with this series is the Clippers have like, I don't know, three, four guys that they can throw at, at Donkic. And theoretically, like, I I think you can defend Donkic straight up with Kawhi. I think you can defend Donkic straight up with Paul George. You know, and from there, I think that there's enough length and, and you know, defensive play on that team to to really not be as concerned about him as, you know, there are a lot of teams that have zero answers for Donkic. Like, there's not a player on the roster that has a chance against him. And the Clippers just happen to have, you know, two of the premier wing defenders in the league. So Paul George, and he had ice on his shoulder afterwards. You don't know how much that's playing a role, but he's just got to get aggressive and... Focus on defense is always a great thing for a team. Like if you're down, focus on defense, you know, get your stops, get out of the open court. They weren't doing any of that, you know, in, in, in the aggregate. So I do think that they don't want to go down two one. And with, when you have those answers for Donkic, like I, I, to me, this one's just like a, a neon light. I am all about this game. You told me a month ago that I would get the Clippers minus four and a half, at a neutral court against the Mavs, I'd probably back up my, my truck and just dump money into the bet. So then if and you that, think the Clippers are that effective, do you? I know you said you weren't going to talk totals, but would that give you a slight lean to the under, thinking that they're holding Luka in check? What's the number? 232 and a half. Last game's total was 241, with, I should add, though, 
76 combined free throws in that last ball game. It was a little heavy on the foul line. Yeah, man, I just watched uh, the refs in the Indy Miami game totally had an impact on it. And I'm not as much of a degenerate. I'm a, I'm a, like a learning degenerate. I don't do the ref stats <laughs> right now. I need to. Well, I'm they sure. sort of change it. it there's sometimes it's sort of ref dependent and ref independent. I think that they they they're calling the series a certain way. They're not giving James Harden that many free throws in this series, by the way. And and Houston is still somehow winning despite not doing anything offensively in this game. Uh, Another thing I like about the bubble, they don't care about their clothes. Like Russ is wearing a a, a, a sleeveless Iron Maiden. Shirt right now, <laughs> yeah. running around what? screaming like a maniac. It's well, so didn't cool. didn't KD tweet normalize coaches in polos or something like that? That was yeah, a great tweet. Yeah. Oh, oh, and Russ has got a green hat on too. I don't know what, what <laughs> kind great. of hat. He just, you know, he, he looks like he's a truck driver or something. <laughs> well, for the next couple of games, he might be. They might not need him in this series. All right. Well, that's, that's the, that, well, real quick on that. I almost wonder if they shouldn't bring him back. Because they they have the they have the ingredients right now, they don't need to make any changes. I'm so embarrassed that I took the Thunder, forgetting about Chris Paul's playoff inconsistency and the uh, Billy Donovan factor. It's it's just mind blowing. Anyway, what else we got? That's it. That's the those are the games. That's the Friday card. He's Aaron Bruski, the, the man. I love the Friday card. Yeah. It's a fun one. We'll be tracking it. Fear not, everyone. We don't. Uh, we don't. We don't miss too much because Lord knows. Yeah, you want to start following me on my bookie because I just lost a bunch. <laughs> oh well, you can fade right now and go back to. Following I told you guys to fade me because I was like twenty three and ten or something. Like, yeah, can't that's... keep up. Can't can't keep that up forever. No, you can't. Unfortunately, no one can. So I've done my losing. Get well, on there and, and follow me. Aaron Bruski, A-A-R-O-N-B-R-U-S-K-I, the Twitter handle. Follow Aaron on Twitter. Follow his plays over at mybookie.ag. Promo code is HOOPBALL. You can unlock your deposit match, or I don't care. Do do whatever promo you want as long as you're following along. Bet some games. Do some in-game stuff. I am, if we, honestly, if we weren't recording this podcast right now, I had, in the middle of one of our chats, selected Rockets, when this game, when OKC was up like three in the third quarter, it was a, uh, it was a pick'em, the in-game line, and I was like, all right, I'm gonna just, I'm gonna dump like fifty bucks on the Rockets You're in-game. You're become the world's preeminent in-game middler. I love it, and this one wasn't even a middling. I was just like, yeah, the Rockets at some point in this game, they're not gonna shoot thirty-four percent, and it's it's gonna get ugly. But we were doing a pod, so I'll do the next one. I think, I, honestly, tonight, I think Philly is the way I'm going. I, I believe that there is enough pride in that chamber to do something. And maybe it's Horford that does tonight, it. Do they? Uh, Friday night, I should say. Friday. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Podcast tonight. It's like stage left versus real left. <laughs> Podcast tonight versus real tonight. Uh, Brew, we'll do it again in two weeks. Are we, go- are we on an every other right now? I think so. Hell yeah. The big dog is back in town. I don't know. Have- yeah, he's Aaron Brewski. Uh, I'll talk to him in two weeks. Later, dude. Peace. My boss. Good man. The founder of HoopBall, Aaron Bruski at Aaron Bruski on Twitter if you want to give him a follow. Let's, uh, let's segue now. We did plenty of chatter about MyBookie, but just in case you guys forgot, MyBookie.ag is the website for all of our gambling information and wagering needs. MyBookieBet on Twitter. Use promo code HoopBall when you sign up for an account. Minimum deposit $45. You can get a 100% deposit match if you use that promo code. 
which is also sweet. It unlocks various promotions. You can use other ones if you want. Just make sure you use the code so they know who sent you. And follow at HoopBallGaming on Twitter for our HoopBall betting information. That's where all of our pros come together for their betting picks and and thoughts on games as they're coming out and things of that nature. Ira, Devin, Troy, myself, Brew, we're all uh, we're all chipping in over uh, in that direction. So here's what happened on Thursday. Miami beat Indiana. We talked a little bit about that during the the chat with Brew. I thought Indy would play better with all the depot back, and ultimately they played almost exactly the same. The di- big difference in this ballgame, of course, Duncan Robinson got hot. He was not warm in the first game. Goran Dragic has been uh, pretty extraordinary from a big shot-hitting standpoint. Fantasy-wise, there's still a lot lacking in his game, which I don't think is changing anytime soon. But he's hitting big shots for that team, and he's playing big minutes. Kendrick Nunn has not played in the postseason. Interesting twist there. I thought this game, I watched the first quarter of this game, and I thought, okay, kind of the same feeling as game one between the Heat and the Pacers, where I watched the first quarter, and I thought, all right, uh, Indy looks like they've they've got this thing figured out. They got Bam Adebayo into foul trouble early, and he's easily been the Heat's most important player on the floor because not only his defense, but his offense, the way he's able to move the basketball in their offensive sets, finding guys as they pop open because he can look over the defense. Miles Turner, to his credit, did have five blocks in yesterday's game, and Justin Holiday had seven defensive stats, but they just, the, the Pacers couldn't really slow down the Heat, particularly from downtown. Miami's a good three point shooting team. And when their best three-point shooter hits seven, is he only took eight shots in that game, and he had seven three-pointers, uh, they become a tough beast. I think his other one was an and one, if I'm not mistaken. No, he had three free throws. Excuse me, it was a three, three free throws. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I thought Indy would would make this one competitive, and, and it was for for stretches. And then every time it seems like the Heat just have a little bit more firepower as the game draws late, Malcolm Brogdon can't shoot the ball right now. His percentages are terrible. The holidays have been very good, actually, for Indy. Turner, obviously good, but they just, you know, they need Demonis Sabonis. And TJ Warren's running into a difficult matchup. So, I don't know. I mean, it, you know, it's not like this series shifts to Indiana now or whatever. It's just another game at a neutral site tomorrow, which is pretty unusual so it's hard for team what what adjustment is indy gonna make at this point i think they sort of showed their hand maybe they'll surprise me i don't know but this one looks it looks like the heat might just be a little bit better and it's sort of showing up in every game oklahoma city and houston is an interesting one you know we by desperately i i was uh, so annoyed with myself that i didn't play the under in that one i mean we talked about how houston was not going to shoot the ball as well as they did in game one uh, yes they had 19 threes again but it took them so many tries to get there shot just 42 percent from the field they're not sending people to the free throw line all that much that first game was a a totals anomaly and what i mean by that is i'll go back to tuesday's results houston put up a buck 23 and the total went over by about six points. Total was set at 225. Houston scored 123. Oklahoma City scored 108 in that first game. Things to note. OKC shot 44%, had 25 free throws, and made a lot of them. They shot 84% at the free throw line. Not that many turnovers in the game. Not that many fouls. But OKC uh, did sort of just enough. 
they made their free shots. Houston put up 123 because they shot the lights out. I mean, this is not, Houston's not a terrific shooting basketball team because a lot of their shots come from far away, but they had 23 pointers, only had seven turnovers in the whole game. So if you actually look deeper at game one, you could see the pace actually wasn't that high. The pace didn't really lend itself to a 231-point total. The pace lent itself more to what we saw in yesterday's game. That was a much closer result to what the the, the actual tempo was telling us, which was 209. OKC shot 44%, Houston 42 that was the, the difference. I mean, OKC did almost the exact same stuff in yesterday's game as they did on Tuesday. Almost exactly the same. They scored a few points less. Um, I think they hit, what are they, about the same number of free throws, I guess. Just a couple fewer three-pointers. Pace was actually, believe it or not, even a tiny bit slower in yesterday's game. Um, turnovers were still relatively low. And then the big difference is Houston didn't shoot the ball as well. So this one didn't even come close. I mean, we're talking about tw- about like almost a 25-point swing, game versus game. 22, I think. What does that mean for Game 3? Well, in all likelihood, they'll make an adjustment on Game 3's total, which tomorrow, I think that's already out at 224. They've brought it way down, which is going to be some kind of midpoint here. If Houston shoots the ball okay, if okay, Oklahoma City does anything else offensively, besides what they were attempting to do yesterday, then this one gets pretty close to that number. Really annoyed with myself that I didn't play the under in uh, in that ball game yesterday. Houston, th- you know, Oklahoma City has no counter for them right now. They might get hot and win a game, but uh, Houston is the far superior team in this series, and it's not close. And here's the thing. Oklahoma City is a pick-and-roll offense. Pick-and-roll and ISO. Those are the only two things they really do because their their big man is not a floor spacer, and he's not really an offensive talent. You know, kudos to Steven Adams. He's made an excellent career out of being a tough, big guy who can rebound and box out like a madman. But his limitations offensively, and frankly the limitations of anyone big on Oklahoma City offensively, means that they can't exploit the one thing that Houston should, that should be considered a weakness on the Rockets' side, and that's the fact that they switch everything. Houston's trying to take away the pick and roll. They switch everything because everyone on that team is a 6-4 wing. Their starting lineup, Eric Gordon, James Harden, Daniel House, Rob Covington, P.J. Tucker. Covington was the center in that starting lineup yesterday. I mean, Steven Adams should be just chewing these people up, but that's not the way Oklahoma City's offense works. It just... He's not a guy that they can just get it to somewhere near the rim and hope that things will happen. That's what needs to happen now. But every time they get him the ball, he's getting swarmed. Like a like a wave of mosquitoes coming at him, and he's not going to be able to hold on to it. So teams that have a viable scoring big man are teams that can give Houston a hard time. Because if they... It's, you know, it's not going to matter if they switch everything because you're going to get a wing on the big man regardless. So it doesn't really mean that you need a pick and roll, right? Like, let's say, let's take the Lakers, for instance. If the Lakers end up having to, if the Lakers get by the Blazers, Blazers would actually be another example. They have Yusuf Nurkic, who's, who's a good big man. If either of those teams advances and plays the Rockets in this, in the next round, 
there's no point really in running a pick and roll because, you know, what's a Dame Nurk pick and roll going to going to get you? Eric Gordon, does he end up on Nurkic and then Covington on Dame? Either way, Nurk has a massive size advantage. It doesn't change the outlook all that much. Or, you know, Harden, does Harden end up on one of those guys like the big man's going to have to punish him. And they have to sort of keep it away from PJ Tucker cuz he's got the the stoutness to deal with big, strong dudes anyway. Anthony Davis, yeah, he can punish those guys. Nurk, he could probably punish some of those guys. Again, I think Tucker would give them all issues. But Houston gets what they want there, which is a big man going one-on-one. Houston wants to limit your ability to move the ball fast. They just want to have someone on everybody at all times. No switching, no recovering, or sorry, no no hedging, no recovery. It's all it's all switches. So there's always someone between the ball handler and the rim, and there has to be because they have no rim protection. Heaven forbid someone gets going downhill, there's not much they can do at that point. And with OKC, they don't have the pieces. They don't. Gallo is the closest thing they've got to a bigger guy that can get going downhill a little bit. But Chris Paul, he's going to run into big wings. Shea, Schroeder, all these guys, they're running into big wings. This is a bad matchup for Oklahoma City. It's a weird matchup for a lot of teams, but it's a particularly horrible matchup for OKC. There are a lot of teams out there that would stand a better chance against Houston's weirdo offense and defense. Almost every one of them, actually, come to think of it. Someone like a Porzingis could be trouble, although he doesn't really go around the bucket. Still, at 7-2 or whatever he's listed at, 7-8-inch height advantage, he'll just abuse them. Offensive rebounds, defensive rebounds, you name it. I mean, look at look at the rest of the teams in the playoffs and tell me, is any team more poorly equipped to deal with the Rockets than the Thunder? Interestingly, uh... I mean, Brooklyn, because, you know, they're playing a little bit hamstrung right now. Celtics are oddly not a, a great matchup because they don't have a big man that can do a whole lot. I guess they could throw in his canter in there and let him go to work on somebody in the post. Almost every team that I look at, the Pacers probably would be a bad matchup because Miles Turner, you know, most of his stuff is, is face-up at this point. Almost every other team I'm looking at is has, has a better avenue here than uh, than the Thunder. So they're in real trouble. Uh, third game yesterday was Orlando and Milwaukee. The Bucks got out to a big lead. Orlando cut it down to, I believe, very briefly, they got it into single digits, but it, this one was pretty well in hand for Milwaukee from start to finish. This was more what we expected. Vooch was stellar again, but the rest of the Magic really couldn't get anything going. And the Bucks did mostly what they wanted to, despite somehow badly losing the free throw battle. You know, DJ Augustine getting 10 free throws in this game. I I don't, I mean, to me, like Milwaukee played pretty well. The Magic did not play well. And still, this was closer than it should have been because of the 31 to 16 free throw edge. And then finally, by the way, as you look towards the next one, you could actually see Milwaukee winning by more if that, if the free throw number does even out. Magic probably shoot the ball a little bit better in their next ball game. And then finally, uh, Damian Lillard dislocated finger late in the fourth quarter, so it didn't really have an impact on the game itself. Sounds like he's going to try to play through it. But listen, I you know I I said a lot of mean things about some of the Lakers in our segment with Brew. I thought JaVale McGee was basically just giving up minutes 
and he was a lot better in that game last night. He was a lot better. 10 points, 8 boards, 3 assists. He crashed the glass, which was good. He contested shots at the rim. That was good. And he played better. I still, I'm liking the Dwight Howard minutes off the bench. He's actually played really well in this series. He poses a size issue because he's one of the few centers out there who, just in strength and quickness, can actually keep up with Nurk. So the Lakers have the big men to really give other big men problems. You've seen it. Nurkic was uh, just an unstoppable freight train through most of this bubble, and the Lakers have made him work awfully hard for what he's gotten in this series. Here's the thing. Lakers' defense these first two games has been really, really good. And it was all season long. Weren't they number two? They were either number... No, number three. I think they were behind the Raptors and the Bucks. Lakers' defense during the regular season was outstanding. Their offense during the regular season was actually pretty damn good also, but they couldn't really shoot. And then in game one of this series, we saw that come to a head in a big way. Not only could the Lakers not shoot, but they had completely forgotten. Just like there was zero shooting in that one. They got some shooting in this ballgame. And another guy that I clobbered on the podcast with Brew here earlier in this show was KCP. And Contavious Caldwell-Pope was very good in this game. He went five for eight, hit four threes in only 22 minutes and probably would have seen more during garbage time. Uh, J.R. Smith hit three threes late. He's, I think, trying to make a, a case to be in there more often, but it took him 12 shots to get to that point. Uh, A.D. hit three from downtown. Anthony Davis bounced back nicely from a uh, an ugly game one. The Lakers, th- there were no free throws in this game on either side. The refs just weren't calling anything. Lakers took 10 free throws. Blazers took 16 in the whole ball game. They were just letting them beat the hell out of each other. Danny Green still hasn't even warmed up at all. And, you know, I... I thought the Blazers were going to win this game, truly. I thought the Lakers had completely fallen apart uh, in terms of they were in their own head. Uh, But someone went out there and hit a three-pointer. I think it was KCP, actually, that hit the first one of the game. And it sort of gave everybody a a deep sigh. It's like, oh, okay. They they do go in every once in a while. Markeith Morris was really bad from downtown. I watched him miss a few in a row. Uh, Caruso's got to find a way to knock down wide open shots because they're completely abandoning him at this point his defense was excellent again which you're always going to get out of him and that's really helpful against a Blazers team with two very good guards but the Lakers are figuring this thing out in fact as as I look at the Lakers and we've talked about this before on the podcast there's this weird round robin thing where each team seemingly has an advantage against another team where you know, the Lakers have an, ed- an edge at center over the Clippers, but the Clippers have an edge at- on the wing. Uh, if you t- put the-, the Bucks in there, they have two really good kind of wing front courty players in Middleton and Giannis. The Raptors are just really good all the way across the board. They, you know, not quite the superstar power. They're- there's some really interesting teams at the top. But I don't, I don't want to just look at this and say Lakers and Clippers are automatically getting by. They have much tougher first-round matchups than the Bucks and the Raptors do. Where with Milwaukee, it looked like they were figuring it out. Raptors have looked fine so far. The Blazers are not going anywhere. I wonder what this dislocated finger is actually going to mean for Damian Lillard. But at, at, first of all, Dame took some really long three-pointers in this gun, and he missed them. Hence the 40% thing. They don't all go in. Mello was horrible. McCollum was horrible. The Lakers, The Lakers played angry in that game last night. They were angry, and they were guarding everyone. 
Every single shot was contested. I mean, Portland's number of open looks was was crushingly low in this ball game. So curious to see if the Lakers have that same effort level in the next ball game. But you saw in this one uh, a decent Lakers performance, and it just it annihilated a Blazers team that looked like they were one of the best teams in the bubble. I don't know. I mean, I you know, Brew mentioned it earlier in the show. I think the Lakers are actually a bit underrated among the pundits right now. And I'm a pretty pragmatic Laker fan. But they're if if they are even adequate from three-point land, they're a pretty mean team. Clippers are a pretty mean team, too. We'll see if they actually have some focus in their next one. And that was what happened on Thursday night. Make sure to check out our buddies over at manscaped.com and the brand new Lawnmower 3.0 with built-in LED technology, waterproof. You can do it in the shower. Clean yourself up, you disgusting louts. Use the promo, uh, promo code HoopBall20, HoopBall20, all one word, to get 20% off and free shipping on your manscaped.com order. Do it now. It's a wonderful partner for us. Really great reps over there. They've they've just been super easy to work with, and uh, their product is outstanding. So go go get one. If you've been thinking about it, do it now. Just uh, go go grab it up. We all need some grooming in these in the era of the COVID. So take all those hairs and send them into the sky. Manscaped.com is the website. Promo code once again is hoopball twenty. There's no hyphen by the way in our promo codes. Hoopball20 on Manscaped and Hoopball on MyBookie.ag. The weekend is here. We've broken down the Friday card. I'll give you quickly some thoughts on the Saturday action. Milwaukee favored by 12 over the Magic. Technically, this is now a road game for the Bucks, but who cares at this point? The uh, total of 226 is probably accurate. I think you see both those teams score a little better in their next game. Although I've been telling you guys, if you just start riding unders as playoff series go along, there are massive, massive pockets of value. I believe all four games went under on Thursday night. One, two, three, four. Yeah, all four. Remember I said just start betting unders? Once teams start to figure each other out, things slow down. Everybody's got a counter for everything else. But, of course, you're going to start to see the numbers come down now. So the question is, how far is too far? Miami favored by five over Indiana. That's probably an accurate line based on what we've seen so far. A total of 214. This is a series that might actually start hitting some overs at some point. If Indy tries to loosen things up, that might be their best way. Because in the half court, Miami's killing them. Houston by three and a half uh, over Oklahoma City. Total of 224. I believe these numbers are good. Uh, and the Lakers by seven, total of 225. At some point, there's going to be a game where both teams shoot the ball really well in that series, and it might be game three. So in looking at this card for Saturday, I think uh, if you think Oklahoma City is going to get a game, this would probably be the one. But with neutral site, it's a little weird. You know, normally you'd grab these teams coming home in their game three and expect them to kind of just get one just to get on the board. But it's not quite that same way. You know, like technically Miami was the road team in those first two games and they won them, but it, nothing changes. I think we may have missed some of our window here to just flat bet unders, but I, I do think that some of them are still going to be popping up. Or, or they're going to be a little closer to the number, though. They're, uh, they're bringing the lines down. 
that's about it for our show. Um, no, no real big news uh, out of the basketball world right now. Just uh, games start soon, so the fun begins anew. The fun begins anew. So enjoy. Have a great weekend, everybody. This will be back. Uh, show will be back with you on Monday. We'll be talking to Adam King on our Monday show. We'll be actually recording that podcast a little bit later on today. So um, we'll be talking fantasy, if you can believe that. I know. Crazy, right? Big thanks to Aaron Bruski once again. He's at Aaron Bruski on Twitter. I am at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Hit me up if you want to join the madness over here, really building out our betting unit and the sales unit. Those are two big ones right now. So hit me up at Dan Vespers on Twitter uh, or email teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. Drop a five-star review on the pod. Have a great weekend. We will talk to you on Monday. So long, everybody. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.